HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. We are a member-supported, nonprofit food radio station. That means that every single thing we do, from broadcasting 35 weekly shows for free to bringing you exclusive content from sold-out food events across the country to offering scholarships to high school students, is only possible thanks to the support of our loyal members. And we want you to join the club. Become a member during our 2017 Summer Drive to get access to sweet swag and pledge your support to the world's only food radio station. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to become a member now. To the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey. Our guest is Jeff Taylor, wine director of North End Grill in Lower Manhattan. We'll talk to Jeff about the New York wine scene. We'll talk to him about Psalms. We'll talk to him about what to drink with smoke, fire, wood, and we'll talk about some other stuff too. We'll taste a vintage Bordeaux for our weekly wine sip, and Jeff also brought in a grower champagne, which we'll taste too. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Jeff Taylor is the wine director of North End Grill in Battery Park in Manhattan, part of Danny Myers Union Square Hospitality Group. Jeff has received awards like the Wine and Spirits Best New Sommelier, among others. And he's also been part of some of the best restaurants in New York and around the country, including Eleven Madison Park, Massa, and Felidia, to name a few, and we'll get into that. Welcome to the Grape Nation, Jeff. Thank you very much. Happy glad, to be here. Glad to finally get you on. Definitely. You have, you have a pretty interesting background in the business. You've touched a lot of places. So what I want you to do is just give us a little context and background. Tell us about your journey in life and in wine that got you to your present point today, which is at the North End Grill, which sure. we'll talk about too. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my father worked for the airlines, and uh, I was born in Boston. But Are you of, a Pats fan? Uh, <laughs> I'm a football fan. Okay. I, I'm not a Belichick fan. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, so I was born in Boston, and we moved around a lot, almost like army brats, uh, until I was about 16 years old, and then we moved over to London, England, uh, and I finished uh, high school there. Went to an American. Why? Why school. London? Was that uh, my father was a uh, general manager at Heathrow? Okay. So 
and then managing director for Europe later on for, uh, for American Airlines. Uh, so I went to an American system high school there and then did a year of college um, in an American system as well. Uh, but my love back then and from the time I was a little kid was acting. And London was a great place for that. Um, really just getting immersed in the culture there, seeing Shakespeare every night, uh, going to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art the, uh, this summer I graduated from high school on a, a they, two-month... They're on Broadway there. <laughs> the West End, yeah. 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 Um, and that was my, my number one passion. Uh, by chance, where we were living, our next-door neighbor uh, was a couple that the, the wife was a wonderful chef and the husband was an amazing wine collector. And they love to entertain. So needless to say, here I was, a 16, 17-year-old kid, drinking beer at the pub with my friends. But maybe once a month or so on a Sunday, we would go over to their house for dinner. They'd and they would bring the kid over? Bring the, bring the, and my younger brother. And, okay. uh, you know, we would, uh, we would go over there and, uh, you know, uh, Pat would have made this amazing, you know, uh, burgundy-centric meal. And, and George would have gone down to the cellar and I was drinking, you know... Uh, now I know what they were, but you know back then I just oh this is kind of interesting red wine right. oh it's Pinot Noir oh cool but you know it was God you know, knows what you were drinking Rumier right? and you know right. and, and right. Uh, you know uh, all these great you know uh, DRCs and and all this great Burgundy white and red and then the next month we'd go and it would be white truffle season and it would be you know Conterno Barolo with you know risotto with white truffles and it's crazy I. I knew at the time I was experiencing something very special, but it wasn't until a little later where I realized how special that was and what an education I was getting at such a young age. I mean, living in Europe alone uh, really, really blossomed that. Uh, went from a family that really didn't drink wine at the table to moving to London where you, it was customary to have wine at the table, whether it was dinner or lunch, Sunday brunch, whatever it might have been. And... Uh, for whatever reason, I did my year of college, and then I decided I, I needed to get back to the States, and I uh, ended up going to NYU to Tisch School of the Arts, majored in acting, got a BFA in acting. Did you come to New York because of NYU? Yeah, or you... yeah I, had, uh, I had auditioned for a couple of different programs, uh, DePaul in Chicago, Emerson in, um, Boston. in Boston, uh, Carnegie Mellon in Pennsylvania, right. and, uh, and then NYU, and uh, I luckily got into all the programs, but... When, you, when I thought about it, well, New York's where I want to be. So, you know, if you're going to make it there, you're going to make it anywhere, right? Uh, so I ended up going to, uh, to NYU and um, graduated. Uh, and like any good actor, I started to work in restaurants. Right. <laughs> and uh, you're an actor? Well, what, what do you call an you actor without a job? Homeless. <laughs> so at least you were working in a restaurant. No, a waiter. A waiter, um, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, and by chance, uh, this is in the late 90s, I, my first real restaurant job was at Gramercy Tavern. Um, so Incredible. That was my, my first experience. I mean, with, you hit the, the top I, right I did, out of the shoe. And, uh, you know, that was a restaurant. And that was not, So let's set up the timeline. Yeah. That was 1997. 1997, yes. But let me back up because I did a little research. Sure. You spent many years in acting and kind of packed it in. Right? Is it uh, yeah. fair to say? Or eventually shifted. <laughs> I, I, I eventually it. shifted. Okay. Uh, and that so was. So 1997 is sort of a point where you began. Yeah, there's about a 10 year period from 97 to 07 where I. I, Try, I, I, I tried to act. Okay. I tried to make it. And uh, all the while I was working at restaurants. Case in point, though, I started at Gramercy, and I was only there for literally three or four months. And Doing I was, what? Uh, I was a back waiter, a busboy. Was Paul Greco there? Paul Greco was there. He was a captain at the time. Right. Uh, Tom Colicchio was the chef. Nick Matone was the GM. Good crew. Steve Olson was the beverage director, the wine director then. Good crew. Um, and... I was I was really green. I you know I didn't know how to clear plates correctly. I didn't know how to mise. I didn't you know. I, That's a service centric yeah, place. <laughs> and uh, but Paul Greco actually, it's funny you mention him. Really kind of took me under his wing. And um, long story short, I ended up get, getting cast in a play. And I went to my GM Nick Matone. And I was like, uh, yeah, so I'm going to need this Thursday Friday off for rehearsals. And he's like, no 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 kid, this isn't that kind of restaurant. And I said, oh okay, but Paul pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, I know you want to try this acting thing and, you know, go ahead and do that. Good luck. But, you know, you're what Danny calls a 51 percenter. And I had no idea what that was. The book hadn't been written yet. And uh, he said, if ever you want to make restaurants your life, you can't do anything better than a Danny Meyer restaurant. So 
uh, I ended up working at a at a no name restaurant for a number of years while I was pursuing acting. So you left there because you I left there. I got the cast. I got thing. cast in a play. And of course, we know that wasn't the type of place to. Uh, that was not the place. But I ended up. I I spent a lot of time at a place called Bryant Park Grill, which is behind the uh, New York Public Library, right. and it's kind of a Teflon, right. a Teflon of a restaurant. No matter how bad the food is, people still go right. because like the locale tavern on the green. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And I was a big fish in a small pond there, ended up being a captain of probably hundreds of weddings over the time I was there. But anytime I got cast in a play or did a show or TV or whatever, I was able to just sub out all my shifts. I kept my health insurance. It was really a, a, a good situation I was in. But then uh, I guess it was in 2004, I really started to kind of get bummed out with the acting thing. And I kept, you know, seeing the same actors at the same calls and you know, one in a hundred shot, and I just, I, and, you know, the joke was Philip Seymour Hoffman was stealing all my work at the time, <laughs> and I, I still get that. That's your excuse is, now. Is, uh, um, <laughs> but, uh, but then uh, 2004, by chance, a, a, a guy that I was working with at Bryant Park Grill uh, had a friend that was uh, opening Masa as uh, as kind of the lead bartender. Cause that there was, was when Time Warner yep, was opening. Time Warner was just opening. That was one of the and all that. high-profile restaurants. Sure, right? sure. So this is 2004, and uh, you know, Masa had obviously gotten a lot of um, press because it was going to be this $350 head dinner, and uh, here I was going, oh my God, we're going to make you know $400, $500 a night, and so it was my buddy and I uh, for a couple of weeks before we even saw a paycheck, and then uh, there was a, a very unfortunate <laughs> moment where we, where we had to talk to Masa about our paycheck and explain what the tip pool was in New York, and. Uh, he had come from, you know, L.A., and uh, it was a very small restaurant that he had in L.A., in Beverly Hills, and he didn't really have to tip anyone out besides his two sous chefs, and there was, I think, a, a kind of really? helper that, you know, brought Oshibori towels and changed soy sauce and stuff like that. So, Out the door? Uh, well, not out the door yet, but I moved over to the bar masa side, which uh, was a little bit more casual, and it was just two waiters a night, 20 uh Deuces, or 22 tops, or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, we, we made a, a, a small killing there. And I, I did learn a lot. And that's where it was interesting. I, not only did I start to learn about sake, um, but it was a really a, kind of a trophy wine list for, you know, these elite people it, that were coming. It to had eat. to be, right? Yeah. You, I, I mean, mean with had, that kind yeah, of dinner, you, you had, had to have those kind you know, of offers. You had all the great burgundies, all the great first growths of Bordeaux, and, right. um, and lots of champagne, obviously. Right. Uh, Regardless, uh, whatever happened, uh, there was no health insurance at the time. I was kind of just moonlighting there, still being at, 11, at, uh, at Bryant Park. Uh, and then cut to 2005, I, uh, I start with uh, the Battalion Bastianich group. They had a small little French restaurant called Bistro du Vent uh, on 43rd in the uh, theater district. Right. I and uh, on the other side of uh, um, Esca. Right. And... There, uh, the, G the GM was a gentleman named Jeremy Noy, who's now the CEO of Morel, and uh, a young guy named Alex Munoz, who is now uh, big up in the David Chang empire. And uh, it was an all-French wine list, 300, 400 selections, and that's really where the spark started for me again, and uh, going back to that time in London and Europe and, and, and really being fascinated by these wines. And, you know, Jeremy and Alex were great with, with kind of helped me along and you know one day we drink Chinon and the next day we drink you know Provence and you know then we explore Burgundy or Bordeaux and I really I really got uh, my teeth kind of cut you know right cut my teeth rather on uh, on uh, on French wine there and then uh, I enrolled in the American Sommelier Association uh, 24 week was called the V&B &V, Viticulture and Vinification uh, class a guy named Andrew Bell uh, took still that still doing it Andrew right still is yeah yeah, yeah still doing it and then cut to 2000 and end of 2006, and I was, uh, I was really uh, kind of, I was still kind of moonlighting at, at Bryant Park, uh, keeping my health insurance there, and, uh, but really unhappy with acting and, and just getting kind of miserable at Bryant Park because I was a foodie, and yet I wasn't, I wasn't really proud of where I was you working. didn't match what up I, and, to yeah, your sensibilities. Yeah, and, and the wine list was in shambles and, and right. all that. So by chance, I, uh, I had heard that Daniel Hume had, uh, I'd always keep, you know, kept up to date on, on chefs. And I, Daniel Hume uh, is the chef of 11 Madison. Correct. Yes. And, uh, I, you know, 
I was never a starving actor. I always ate out. I, my, my entire paycheck went back into eating when I was, uh, when I was in my 20s in New York. Professional eater. There you go. And uh, long story short, I had heard that he had moved from San Francisco from Campton Place, and he had taken over 11 Madison Park, which was a restaurant I had enjoyed before when Carrie Heffernan was the chef, the opening chef. Uh, and so I kind of kept an eye on it. And then January of 07, they got uh, basically a, th- they got a wonderful three-star review at the time. Uh, from the Times, and I just happened to go in there for, uh, I was down in the neighborhood, and I happened to go in there for a lunch, and uh, sat at the bar by myself, they had a five-course tasting menu with pairings, the whole thing cost about $110 all in, and uh, it was a great lunch, a great, great lunch, and I I sat there, and Leo Robichek, who's now the bar director for all of Made Nice, was the bartender, the daytime bartender, and there was this Irish guy, Jerry, who was a bartender at Bistro Devant two years before, and then uh, the bar manager was a guy named Sam Lip, who is now managing partner of Union Square Cafe. Right. So if the stars were aligned, uh, I, you know, I definitely thought they were that day, and uh, Sam happened to approach me, and he said, hey where are you working? You still working at the park? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, we're, we're doing really cool things here and we're looking for people like you, people that have experience, people that, you know, know how to, how to deal with guests and, and, uh, can teach, you know, younger staff. And, uh, so I, I had this lunch and we kept in contact and I said, well, you know, I've really kind of committed myself to the park through the summer, but come, you know, Labor Day, I'll, I'll call you. And sure enough, I started right after, you know, mid-September of, uh, of 07. As? Uh, well, I, I wanted to be a sommelier. I went in hoping I was going to be a sommelier, and then uh, Will Gadara very quickly uh, uh, shot me down and said, uh, oh, you don't, uh, you don't understand, everyone here is going to start as a food runner. And I know that I knew that per se had started like that. And, uh, you know, we had a long talk, and... You know, I was 31 years old at the time, and uh, he's like, I know you have 10 years, you know, plus... 31-year-old food runner. Yeah, but (laughs) it was very humbling, and um, uh, I said, okay, and he said, no, don't worry, you're not going to be a food runner for long, because we have plans for you, and uh, we think you're captain material, but in order to go, you have to go through all the, you know, all the hurdles. So I went from food uh, food runner to uh, front waiter, and then finally to captain, uh, and I guess probably January of 08. Uh, still wasn't a sommelier. <laughs> uh, the joke is John Reagan, who was the wine director at the time, didn't even know who I was, but uh, he, he did. But he was, uh, he was very, very kind to me, and he allowed me to, you know, we did late-night tastings, and uh, at lineup, I got to talk freely about the wine, and, I mean, he could tell I was very passionate about it. And right. I would, I would bother him incessantly about, you, you know, new wines by the glass. Right. And, you know... <clears throat> When I was a captain, the Psalms loved having me, uh, if I was in their station, because I would do all the work. I, wouldn't, I wanted to pour all the pairings. I wanted to sell the next bottle of wine and all that. And then uh, in 2009, August of 2009, uh, we got a four-star review from Frank Bruni, one of his all last right. uh, reviews before he you know, retired from the post. And literally overnight, it, it changed our lives. I mean, it went from, we went from you know, that, that Tuesday night I'll never forget, we cut down to three captains. There was two Psalms on the floor. There was 48, 52-something covers. And 8 o'clock at night, that review came out. And the next day, that we was were, the we end were of at that. 200. We, right. we, the phones just kept ringing. Till today. Uh, till today. Right. Always, yeah. Um, and that was, a, that was a great ride. And, you know, uh, you know, we jumped through a lot of different hoops and kind of changed our approach a couple of different times. Um, I'll never forget, like, I think it was about 2010, uh, maybe 2011, we had you know kind of rode this high of four stars with the menu that we had, and then Will and uh, and Chef decided to to change it all, and we ended up doing this what we called the grid, which was a 16 right. word uh, menu that incorporated a tasting menu into these four ingredients that you chose, and then you know subsequently we did the all New York menu and right. blah blah blah. But uh, so when do you become the when do you become <clears throat> a Psalm? Uh, two th- oh, so uh, 2009, right after the right after the review, uh, we uh, and this was really John Reagan's doing. We changed the, the the floor plan of how we how we did staffing. So from we went from five captains and three sommeliers 
to four captains, four sommeliers, four front waiters, and four back waiters. So you literally had four teams of four, 16 people in that dining so room. So they needed a psalm. They needed a psalm. So I got the, uh, I got the call to the show, and uh, I, uh, I never looked back. And, um, and you eventually became the head psalm, right? I eventually became the head psalm. So in about 2011, late 2011, early 2012, uh, Danny and Union Square Hospitality Group sold the restaurant to right. Will and uh, and Chef Um, and with that, John Reagan decided to go with to Union, Union Square. Square Hospitality Group and become the corporate wine director. And uh, a guy named Dustin Wilson came in to be the wine director. Who I had I hadn't met him yet, but we had some mutual friends in common, and I was in the court at the time, and so I you know I knew of him, and I knew he had just passed we had his Dustin masters. on the show. Yeah. Oh, cool. He talked cool. a little about that. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, so Dustin got there and, you know, he had come from San Francisco from RN74 and uh, he had never really done fine dining at that level. And uh, we were really kind of inseparable for a long time because I, you know, had a, <laughs> I literally taught him position numbers and, and table right. numbers and how you to approach the table time. and who were all these regulars were and introducing him to, you know, people and, and all that. And, uh, and you know, he, and likewise, he taught me a lot. But became clear that um, the previous uh, head sommelier, a woman named Christine Bajetta, Be- uh, uh, was leaving to go to San Francisco, actually, to go to Quince. And so they needed a new head sommelier. And then, uh, I guess, in, you know, it was at 11 or 12 that I was uh, promoted to head sommelier and was there uh, as head sommelier until, uh, Mar- let's see, March of 2014, 14. when I, I left there to kind of go to my extended... 11 Madison Park family and Betty. Right. On. So let's finish up quickly because I want to get to. So 2014, you leave 11 Madison. I go to Betney. Truly one of the great places. Yep. You go to Betney on 57th, incredible 57th. space, a bunch of EMP uh, yeah, alumni, Amy right? Rocky, Bryce Schumann, the right. chef. Uh, Rebecca Isabel was and the pastry chef at the time. Highly touted, beautiful room, but it closed. It closed, yeah. Why? That, was uh, it the lease? Or? Uh, it wasn't the lease. Um, Business? To, to put it. Uh, Kind of bluntly, nicely or bluntly. <laughs> nicely. Uh, we had a, uh, a Russian ownership group that I don't think fully got what was trying, what we were trying Those to do. Those damn Russians, yeah, man. They, we, they keep I'm going to do an they investigation. <laughs> I'll get back to it. All right, so that closes down, but you had a good run. Yeah. The Baccarat Hotel opens yeah. up. So you do I, a short stint. I had done there. a short stint there, and that, I mean, not to. Uh, I'd never done a hotel before, so they kind of came after me, and uh, Shea Galanti was the chef who Good had chef. been a crew, and, you know, so people like Robert Bohr and Raj Vida spoke highly of him, and uh, for whatever reason, that restaurant just never took off, and the yeah. restaurant Chevalier actually closed. So yeah, I remember that. I knew the writing was on the wall, Yeah, and uh, I got, I kind of made an exit plan and a severance package. And then and you then went I, to Felidia? Well, when I got out in... This must have been uh, last. It was was probably May of last year of of sixteen. A little over a year. Yeah, ago. a little over a year ago. Uh, I, I I left because I knew the restaurant was closing and I didn't really have anything. And uh, uh, Eric Hastings, who was in the corporate, uh, sorry, uh, not Eric Hastings, um, Jeff uh, uh, Porter, who was then the or still is the corporate kind of wine guy for B and B called me and he said, hey, man, have you thought about Felidia? And I was like, Felidia? Is that place still open? Yeah, you know, really? I, I've never been there. I, you know, okay. Um, I've always heard about we it. You know I, Lydia. I, I know, yeah, I know Lydia from TV. <laughs> right. and, you know, I, I, I always heard it was a great list. And for a long time in the 80s and 90s, it was a grand award-winning wine list from Spectator. And um, uh, Okay. So, I, you know, I, I took an interview with, with Lydia and, and Tanya Bastianich, her daughter. And uh, it was this great... Italian wine list, huge Italian wine list that was fun for me to sink my teeth in. Right, because I'd never done a sort of French centric, very French centric, uh, especially at Eleven Madison. Right. And uh, you know, we had Piedmont and, and Tuscany in Eleven Madison, but you know, to get into the minutia of you know all the other stuff. Umbria and all those right. other places at, at Felidia was quite cool. But uh, for whatever reason, that's a restaurant that's uh, you know been doing its thing for 30 something years yeah I, and, i'm not surprised and, surprised uh, you were there yeah, and i'm not yeah, surprised it you was left. you know whatever it wasn't the right fit all right so and, then, uh, and then uh, i i left uh, actually in december of uh, of last year and uh i thought maybe wow i've never had a december off maybe i'll just go to my take family in texas and hang out with my uh my brother and his son and daughter and that's uh, a- 
could have done that. And then it just happened to be that uh, my good friend Caleb Ganser, who I was a song with at Love Caleb's Madison. Caleb's been on the show. Yeah. Uh, he, he basically, in the span of me leaving Felidia and two days later, he was looking for a song for company. And I, uh, I texted him. I said, I might know of someone. And he said, who? And I said, me. <laughs> and he goes, really? I said, yeah, just if, you know, can we maybe do something for a couple of months until I can find really the right next move for me? Because, you know, the past two places I've been at, I kind of jumped into and whatever reason, they weren't the right fit. Now, Caleb and, uh, uh, is over at Company Duvant Sur Naturel. Center Street. Down, down on Center yeah, Street. Yeah. And I had you know, been a big, uh, big uh, fan of the, of the space and had... You know, been a been a guest for a long time. So, but that you were there for a short period of time. So I want to finish this up. Yeah. You were there how long? Uh, about four months. And then I would gather the and then, Union uh, Square North End job. Uh, yes. So up. Mia Vanderwater, who was the wine director, who actually oddly enough went to be a floor sommelier at Eleven Madison Park, where her husband uh, Andrew also works. Uh, Andrew Restello. Yes, Restello. So she went back to Eleven Madison. She went back to EMP. And she leaves North End. She leaves North End, you goes go to EMP. in there to I become a, the wine guy. I get a phone call from John Reagan uh, asking me if uh, if this could be a possibility. And so you always had good uh, relationships with the Union Square people. I did, I did, okay. and uh, that's you know you never want to burn a bridge because no, you no, never no, know no. when it's going to come that back. That company and help too. You. Yeah. All right, so that brings you current. We'll talk about North End in a couple of minutes, but just let's chew on a few other things. So you get into the business in '97, you know, at the lowest level. And it's 20 years already. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me about biggest changes you've seen, you know, in wine and in restaurants, the whole scene in New sure, York. I sure. mean, what, anything jump out at you? Uh, I think you see um, fine dining as we know it is is few and far between now. Um, and you're seeing restaurant, you, yes, 11 Madison Park is fine and, dining. And Gramercy is considered uh, yes, a little more yes, stealthy yes, service. But still, but still, you know, Gramercy Park is still a three-star New York right. Times restaurant. It's not a four-star restaurant. Um, uh, you know, EMP had to create the Nomad uh, to make a more casual vibe. Right. Uh, and now they even have a more casual vibe with Made Nice, which is this fast casual right. kind of, you know, Took it to the salad next. So and you're saying... You'll see less of that. I think you're seeing less of that, and I think you're seeing more... Nobody's going to take the chances and risks to open up these temples. I I think you're seeing more... You're seeing people that are more comfortable. There doesn't have to be tablecloths on the table. I mean, you look, you know, look at the, for me, the, the mold is what Patrick did with Pearl and Ash. I mean, going from guilt right. where he was wearing a suit to good being example more of himself with jeans and, you know, misfits t-shirts and his right. tats out and all that. Right. Um, and, and a one-star chef and right. a killer wine Having list. And great, great wine list right. and great wine Your place, too, food. which we'll talk, yeah. you know, North yeah. End sort Definitely. of exemplifies that also. What else? What about wine? I mean, do you see what people are drinking diff- changing? Or? I think so. I think, uh, you know, in the last 10 years, the the role of the quote-unquote psalm has, has, you know, been elevated to, you know, somewhat mythical status in some some ways you know i always say that restaurants were temples chefs became rock stars and then all of a sudden some sort of became like mini from road managers to rock (laughs) exactly well Um, it's a good segue for my next question but we'll get back to the other one yeah i I mean you've been a psalm you know in the best market at the best places for a while i mean how do you define the role of a sommelier i mean what I mean, we all know what it is, but what's your interpretation? Because you've done it at different level sure. restaurants and for a while. I, I think uh, quite simply, I mean, you know, sommelier is a fancy French word for a wine steward or a wine waiter. So A wine, you, wine waiter. Yeah, right. you're, you're a cent- I mean, in fact, when I first started at 11 Madison Park, we called them wine captains, not sommeliers. Right. Uh, but your, your goal or your, your job, I guess, is just like a captain or a waiter is to guide the guest while the captain or waiter will guide them in food choices you're guiding them in wine choices to accompany that food uh i think wine is the kind of the ultimate condiment if you will for uh for food um and there's some guests that you know want to choose wine first and then the food second there's some people that want to choose food first and then come up with a wine right uh and it's it's really a for me it's a one size fits one so your approach is 
because we had Bianca Bosker on. Sure. She wrote sort of the Kitchen Confidential of yeah. Wine, yeah. and she talked about some people in some restaurants where right. there was a lot of hustle on the floor to right. sell bottles and move them around. And I still think keeping the customer's taste in mind. Sure. But the reality is not what you care about, but to try to get out of the customer. Is that For sure. still important? For, sure. For me, it's the, the utmost importance. Um, my, I can go drink what I want to drink at the end of my shift or right. go to my friend's restaurant and, and open a bottle. When I'm working as a, as a wine director, a sommelier, the, the key job is to listen to what the guest wants. And you know, lead them to the lead right. them to the right wine. Right. Um, and each guest is different. I mean, there's many guests that you know don't know Cabernet from Merlot, and there's other guests that want to know you know so the vintage, education. vintage variation of '90s Burgundy. Right. Um, so you know you have to listen to each one of those guests, and you kind of uh, you know make a uh, educated guess of how much they know, and, and and they'll kind of lead you. And um, you know if it's someone that is is very kind of green to to wine i'll say you know what do you like what do you like to drink when you go to the wine shop what's the bottle you buy try to get some references exactly and then we take it from there and um you know if you can maybe get a chardonnay drinker and you can you know once you gain their trust maybe you can turn them on to like chenin blanc or something like that or you know you gotta just listen um you know, I'd ask you biggest changes in wine and restaurants. I don't know if you answered the wine thing, but in the last 20 years, wine, I wouldn't even use the word trends, but what evolutions or sure, I think, changes? I think you're seeing, you know, a lot of the old guard, you know, it used to be a lot of Bordeaux and just California cab, right? Uh, and now you're seeing emerging, you know, regions within within France, even within California, different areas Italy of California. Too. Italy, I mean... Italy's crazy with, right. with you know there's it seems like every minute there's a new, the there's North, a new variety Sicily, yeah. I mean, um, volcanic wines yeah so I think and you know obviously the natural wine movement and all that I wanted been, to ask you about that has been uh, has been do you big. do you drink natural wines I know uh, the restaurant we'll intention- talk about their in, list not intentionally I mean I don't <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> I don't I don't drink a natural wine uh, because it's a natural wine, I drink good wine. If it happens to be natural, then right? Because so some be people it. just drink natural wines because right. right. na- like, there are natural yeah. wine bars. Right. So wine is wine. If it's a good wine and it's natural, right. you're not going to drink. Exactly. And I think you know, just to get back to your question, you're fi- you're finding areas where wine, there's great wine in in every area, and there's crappy wine. You know, whether that be France, Australia, you know, South Africa, California, New York State, Virginia. Where you know Oregon, wherever, wherever there's there's Canada. good and bad wine, right? And it's good and bad winemaking, right? What um, why are natural wines just totally void on some wine lists? I mean, is it just, is it they're not consistent? There's no ask or a huge market for it. It's a it doesn't match certain restaurants. All of the above, I, you know. I think uh, you know, natural wine has its place and and. And Brooklyn has been a good borough for it. Yeah, it's like um, the capital. For sure. Uh, you know, for me, natural wine is, there's a lot of veritables. Uh, you know, you can't, I, I'll taste a natural wine one year and it'll be one thing. And then the next vintage, it's a night and day wine. Um, Where with even a Bordeaux. Or take California. Sure. 2011 was a crap year. Right. 2010 was good. So the vintage variation would be one thing. You're talking about more inconsistency. You're talking about yes, and that's, not just you know whether you know and it's is it the sake of you know making natural wine for natural wine's sake or is it because you really believe that you want to use right. a low sulfur kind of thing? And all right. This? Um, I'm not against it. I just you know I don't actively pursue right. a natural wine because it's a natural wine. I, I know that from following you and looking yeah. at the wine list and places sure, you've been. Sure, sure. Because, you know, everybody gets to choose what they want. I've right. had a lot of people in here, you know. I mean, Dustin, his store carries as much natural and as much traditional, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever you want. All right, Jeff, we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, I want to cover two things. Sure. I want to talk a little about North End Grill because there's a lot going on there yeah. that relates to wine and all that, and you could help us. And then I want to subject you to our wine list because um, I want to get your take on a few things. And then we'll sneak in some 
wine on our weekly wine sip. But I think before we break, a good idea maybe to crack that champagne sure, yeah, and drink to. it for the yeah, second yeah, half of the definitely, show. Definitely. And then we'll taste the Bordeaux I brought in. Great. So we're talking to Jeff Taylor. Jeff is the wine director at North End Grill downtown in uh, Battery Park City. You're listening to The Grape Nation. We'll be back after these words. Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com slash podcast. All right, we're back. We're back with my guest, Jeff Taylor. Jeff is the wine director at North End Grill. I want to talk to Jeff a little about North End Grill, the food, the wine list, some pairings and all of that stuff. Um, and I want to ask him uh, to answer our wine list. So you're at North End Grill. North End Grill is part of Danny Myers Union Square Hospitality. I think you'd be a pretty good person to answer this. I'm curious, and I guess my listeners would be, what differentiates a Danny Meyer Union Square hospitality restaurant to others? I mean, there's I, I know he employee first. You know, he's got the playbook. He's sure, written a sure. book about it. But in your sight lines, w- what is it? You know, I think it's the something he alludes to in his in his playbook is the five tenants, and it's. Uh, really taking care of your team first and uh, if they're really, happy then right the and, then, customer. and then taking care of the guest and um, and i grew up in sales and you used to take sure. care of the customer first sure. and sure your employee wasn't that happy and it would right. reflect Let's see so, right here i call it the c word we don't like the customer word they're right. guests we're inviting guests. them into our, right. our home if you will uh so the fact that we you know we take care of each other and uh, I think USHG is probably one of the biggest uh, restaurants that really tries to promote from within. Um, and, you know, yeah. obviously I saw that uh, in my time at, at 11 Madison. But, you know, you look at uh, the people that have been at Gramercy Tavern forever um, and, and things like that and how they, uh, you know, they started as a, as a busboy and now they're, you know, so there's GMs and the stuff. The employee, there's team building. I know you guys, the wine group, all of you were out in Napa. Yeah, we were out in that Napa, long ago. Uh, beginning and of would, April. Would you call that a team building for sure, group? For sure. And that's how it was designed. And to be honest, I I was still at company when I took that trip, but I had just accepted, you, you the, accepted job. the job. You accepted the job. And uh, you weren't thank, a stranger no, to most And of I, I know a lot, of those, right. a lot of those wine directors, but it was really John Reagan that said, hey, can you get away for four or five days? Because it's. it's going to be really important not only for team building but you know your program's going to have a huge napa uh right. you know you're uh, lucky yeah. the timing worked out it, it could have started two months later yeah and yeah that. no so that it was a uh, fate intervening for sure. all right so let let's talk about the wine list at north end grill it's very french and cali centric sure. right why uh 
Well, first and foremost, it's uh, it's like old school Cali and kind of French country centric, I would call it. Okay. With really a, a big emphasis on older vintages at fair fair prices. Uh, and you got to remember too, French and California, French and California, okay. and you got to remember too that all those prices are already hospitality included as well. Right. Um, so Forgot you don't have to that. tip on on top of it. Quickly, um, Union Square hospitality restaurants have built the cost of the gratuity into the check. Yes. Is that a fair way to it, say exactly. it? Exactly. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, it's called North End Grill. So obviously a grill is the centerpiece here. It's a, a, a oak burning uh, grill that um, has a lot of different meats and we do grilled whole bronzino on the on the grill, shishito peppers, um, uh, you know, we have everything from hamburgers to steaks to, you know, uh, cuts, uh, you know, British cuts of uh, of lamb chops. To uh, we just did pigeon the other day for a special <laughs> group of guests. Um, so we can answer two questions in one shot. Yeah. One is why is the list French in California? Because it complements complements Eric Korsh's the food, food very well. and the food is wood fire grilled, as you sure. stated. Um, are those the best wines? For smoky, grilled wood-type foods? I think so. Because, Among the best? Yeah. I mean, well, France, you have a lot to play with. You have, I mean, you really do. Uh, and, you know, for me, I'm a huge lover of Northern Rhone Syrah, so the smokiness of Syrah, right. the smokiness of the meat the is a no-brainer. Yeah. Uh, Mouvedre from, you know, down in uh, in Provence uh, and Bandol and places like that. Um, moving into, you know... Older Bordeaux, older Burgundies, all that, all that has a place uh, at right. at North End, um, and then really kind of the old school California, you know, really looking at seventies and eighties and nineties vintages from kind of maybe a couple of you know a couple of winemakers that are kind of off the radar now, but are for but me and that the, was in the sort cool of the infancy in California sure, too, sure. For, for the growth period for sure, and then you know in the seventies and the early eighties, kind of pre Parker, if you will a lot of those wines are 13, 14% alcohol, right. you know, and it wasn't until they started chasing points right. that the alcohol rose. Right. Um, Bordeaux too. And yeah, for sure. Too. For know, sure. The, the parkerization yeah. exactly. as Alice firing Ex- called it exactly. last week. Indeed. Indeed. So talk specifically. So let's talk. You got beautiful steaks and chops. You got them cooked over a wood fire. I mean, everybody eats steak. Everybody's grilling steak. Sure, Give sure. me your top two, three pairings for that. Cab, what else? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, Cabernet, so either Bordeaux or California there. Um, one thing that I've, I've, I used to poo-poo a lot is Zinfandel. Um, right. and it's I, always been I, known I've, as a barbecue. I, right? I, I, I drank a lot of Zinfandel in the past three or four months I've been at Tell at me Thin. what you're liking. In, in, in Zind- well, uh, I'm a little biased because I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of old Joseph Swan Zinfandel. Okay, and, so Swan uh, is one of the yeah, old Yeah, and guys. you know, I, we just had a 76 last week. Uh, on Monday, I had an 83 Swan Zinfandel. Um, and also Ridge. Uh, we just did a dinner with Light them. Light Springs. A few, and yeah, all. yeah. Uh, Geyserville as well. Geyserville. Um, and I've uh, been fortunate enough to have uh, some younger uh, Ridge as well as uh, going back into, uh, into the 80s. Um, and obviously those are you know benchmark benchmark wines so uh what about stuff like turley yeah turley yeah christina's a great friend of the restaurant we did a we have this awesome thing that we do almost once a month called fire and wine where we have a visiting winemaker a visiting chef and so christina makari wine yeah we just had them uh, last week gabby was on the show yeah yeah cool um you take any risks with any wine within the french or i mean do you uh, you got the old Zins, you got yeah, the yeah. old Caps, you got I mean, the you know, I mean, is there anything there that's... There's some, you know, there's uh, interesting stuff. Uh, we, you know, we did, speaking of Ridge, we have an old Mataro, which is Mouved, uh, which is really, really cool, like, you know, snapshot of, of that old school kind of Cali style, uh, 100% Mouved. Um, uh, you know, we take a little bit of risk in, in France as well. And, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, Bordeaux and, and, and the big names. It's going down into Provence and, and you know, right. getting old Tampier and old, uh, um, you know, Madre Gourinière and uh, right. uh, Mas de Masquesac and stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, kind of the, the country wines, I like to call them, of, of France. Right. 
So this may be an incriminating question, <laughs> but your overall personal wine preferences, and I guess it could apply to any time you go to a new restaurant, currently do they match the list that you're serving? I mean, are those your preferences and sensibilities, or you got to retrain, retaste, get up to speed? Because you said when you went to Felidia, you got a good dose of Italian, oh, sure, which helps. Sure, sure definitely. Um, you know, what was great for me coming into North End Grill is I, I, I had a really good, uh, you know, hold on, on those French wines. Um, California, we had a fairly decent list at, at 11 Madison. Right. Um, but for me, it's been, I mean, the trip to Napa that you just alluded to, but also just getting to kind of study that period. And uh, I think when I was a younger sommelier, I, I might have poo-pooed New World wine a little bit uh, too much. And, right. uh, and now I, I'm really excited. I, I think the, the main thing is, even in Bordeaux, is a lot of people are drinking those wines too young. Right. And, you know, Bordeaux and California, they're chasing those points People and all are that. Patient, yeah. And, man, you wait 20, 25 years, and these California wines are awesome. They start to get these secondary, you know, secondary uh, flavor profiles and, and become right. very food-friendly. Which uh, is true with other wines, too. But sure. well, those France, are wines yeah. that yeah. benefit from, we, yeah. you know. Yeah. All right. We, we don't have a ton of time. We have 10 minutes or okay. less to buzz through two things. Um, Jeff brought in a Don Grier grower champagne, which we'll talk about in a minute or two during the uh, weekly wine sip, and we're going to taste the Bordeaux. But before we get to that, help me buzz through this, Jeff. I'm going to ask you our weekly wine list questions and get me through all of these pretty quickly. What are you drinking now? I don't mean right there, but <laughs> like you alluded, I've been drinking a lot of Zinfandels the sure, last sure. four months. Is that part of the answer? Uh, what else? That's been part. Um, you know, due to the heat, uh, you know, I, I tend to drink a lot of champagne um, in the summer. Uh, champagne, top of your list, is one of the great wines? Oh, sure. For okay. sure. For sure. Underrated in people's uh, minds as far as I, I don't when think, and how they order I don't it. think underrated. I think a lot of people still think of sh- uh, champagne as something that's... Uh, celebratory. You know, celebratory or underutilized. Underutilized. Okay. I mean, I think you can drink champagne every day. Right. A lot um, of foods and matches. Yeah. Uh, what else am I drinking? So A lot champagne's of, in. Give me one more. Uh, Northern Rhone Syrah, always. Okay. And all that stuff is at North End Grill, right? Yep. Give me your favorite wine and food pairing. Something, you know, you've been around a lot of food yeah. and wine. You declared yourself a foodie early yeah. on in the interview. Uh, What's the classic thing for Jeff? Well, not not okay. the classic. I, I could easy, you know, the easy one is probably what oysters and champagne or something like okay. that. I won't I say have that. To smack you I, I won't say that. Okay. I won't say that. Um, one of my favorite things is actually young Saint Joseph with like a bacon cheeseburger. Good one. Yeah. Like Smoky. a 2014 pair going on. Oh, and, uh, any, any going on okay. will do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's a good one. So St. Joseph, which is the Northern Rhone, which the grapes are predominantly... Syrah. Syrah, which is a very big meaty, goes great yep. with the juicy hamburger meat right. and all. All right. Great answer. Give me Jeff's favorite wine restaurant and our bar. People out there that are doing it right, the service, the selection, sure, food, sure. and I know you know you've been around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I can give you one New York and one California. Any, anywhere, cool. Uh, give me two New Yorks. Okay, if you get to. Uh, a little biased, but we just talked about it. Company de Vin Naturel, I think, is uh, worthy think of a one mention. of the funnest places to drink wine yep. right now. Um, Caleb has really curated a list that has something for everyone. Um, and they have great glass pours. Uh, Chef Eric uh, used to work with us at 11 Madison. So he's great food. Uh, it's just a cool vibe, great music. I, I, I love going I there. Agree. I love working there. I um, I, you know, I, I, I still think Rebel uh, in a lot of ways. Um, yes. Patrick's been so kind to me over the years and um, he's become a, a mentor to me. Uh, and Daniel Eddy, I think cooks great food and it's a fun place to go i mean obviously they have the sunday brunch thing where it's half off bottles yeah. and it's easy to under easy 400 to bucks and all yeah. that yeah um on the west coast when we were just in napa uh 
there's a restaurant called Press that Great Kelly White, one. Kelly White, right? Who not only wrote a love letter to Napa in a book, but right. she wrote a love letter to Napa in a wine list. Um, and we, I mean, we just tore up that list in one night. And, and Press is a steakhouse, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, exactly. But so the wine list is the is, wine list is, is all California, right? And Great. all she you know, curates uh, the crap seventies, eighties, just everything. It's it's a it's a very impressive list. Right, give me your favorite all time wine. Oof. Is it a birth wine? I ask people, is it the wine you first got laid to? <laughs> is it, you know, uh, your, your entree into yeah, you know, Romani uh, kind? I, mean, I, have a, I have a lot of wines. Doesn't have to be fancy. I have a lot of wines that mean a lot, of, uh, mean a lot to me. Give because me the first of one that comes to your mind. The most, one of the most important ones for me is, uh, it's going to sound pompous, but 1947 Huet, Le Haut Lou, Moyu, uh, it's a wine that not a crazy uh, expensive, not a crazy wine, expensive wine. I mean, but you can get great it, example. Uh, you can get it on area. a list for. I mean, we sold it at EMP for I think nine hundred dollars or something like that. So in the span of things, it's a wine that's now what 70, 80 years old. Or whatever. Seventy. Because a friend old. of mine called me yeah. and said a buddy of mine's turning seventy. Yeah. I need to find a wine from nineteen forty-seven. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's the, a, but this wine for me is about the story. If you if you really know about Gaston Huet and know that he was a POW and he came back to Vouvray and it was war-torn. And then in 1947, not only was it the best vintage of the 20th century in Vouvray, he was the mayor of Vouvray. There you go. That's the story right there. So that's got good history. We'll post uh, Jeff's answers on our Facebook page and all that, so if you didn't catch it. All right, last question, and then we'll taste a little wine. Best wine around 15 bucks. 15 to 20. I always say my oldest kid's going to dinner party. Right. Everybody's cooking, wants to bring a couple of nice bottles. Doesn't have, doesn't want to drop a ton of money. Sure. Give me a red, give me a white. Okay. Doesn't have to be, there's uh, no region. Price. White wine-wise, um, uh, I mean, yeah, Muscadet would be the easy way out, but that's I'm not going to do that for you. No, no but uh, that's okay. So uh, we'll put Muscadet as one. Uh, give me your the interesting. Trim, the Trimbach wines I like a lot. The single varietal. Alsace, yeah. Alsace. Uh, they're Riesling, tr- straight Trimbach Riesling or the, Pinot Gris, Sylvaner. The value ones. Are great value because like anything in kind of the idea of Burgundy, you take producer first. So Trimbach is obviously a fantastic okay. Alsatian producer. Give and me a red. Are great. Oh, man. Uh, in this, No, I think um, one that I, I love to drink is um, uh, Lapierre uh, Raison Goulot. Uh, it's uh, basically a declassified. Right. Uh, You're not Beaujolais. the first person who's um, recommended. It's that. his young vines from Morgon uh, with a little. Yeah, Is it a gamay? Yeah, 100% okay. gamay. 100% um, But just easy so to it's drink. The maker is. Uh, Lapierre. Lapierre and Raison, R A I S I N. Yes, Raisons and then G A O U L O U. Right. I'll look it up. Those are good choices. Yeah. All right, and I'll post those. Cool. All right, we're going to wrap the show up with a little tasting. Jeff's an expert. So every week we taste a different wine on air. For our weekly wine sip this week, we're going to taste, I brought in a 2003 Chateau Leoville Poifery, French Bordeaux from the St. Julian region. I know it's a little boring to Jeff, but I just want to get his take on how 03 is holding up. Pretty good vintage um, and a pretty good wine and also um, fairly highly rated. Plus, Jeff brought in a grower champagne, which is an estate-grown, smaller um, champagne compared to, you know, the bigger makers. So, Jeff, let's start quickly with the Bordeaux. Um, 14 years old, still holding color? Uh, Very much so. All right. Talk to me about the nose quickly. You get a lot of those, you know. Uh, roasted uh, black fruit, blackberry, dark um, fruit, dark right? fruit, yeah, yeah. Uh, the fruit's leather, pretty tobacco. good on this, right? Yeah, it's great. Well, you got to remember, two thousand three, a very warm vintage, so you're going to have a lot of that kind of roasted fruit quality to okay. it. Okay, so 03 warm vintage. That's one of the characteristics. Smoked uh, kind of leather cigar box. Smoke, yeah, cedary oak. I get a little licorice. Needs, uh, needs a steak from North End Grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's throw it over the tongue. We'll talk mouthfeel first. great full body full body kind of a mouth coating Mm -hmm. is this wine holding up very much so and i think because of the vintage it's uh it's actually uh, probably drinking well now versus when it was first released yeah all right let's talk about the palate i think the black fruit fruits carry through right 
still um, black currant, black cherry. A, still obviously a very new, world, uh, a very old world wine, but right. it does have that fruit kind of forward quality because of the the warm vintage. But that underlying kind of yeah, like black cherry, blackberry, uh, leather, tobacco. It's pretty good. The tannins are ripe, nice tannins. Yeah, they're right? they're 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 nice, but they're not overbearing. And full disclosure, it's a 375 bottle. I had it lying around, and those tend to not hold up as well as, let's say, a Magnum. So it's showing well it's showing in well. a small bottle. Yeah. All right. Then Jeff brought in a grower champagne, Don Grier, um, a non-vintage? Uh, non-vintage, but a lot of vintages in it. Um, so explain what quick, that is. Let me give you the quick of... spiel. So uh, Don Grier is... Uh, a relatively new grower producer, and I say relatively new. They uh, they really started in 1986. Um, they were uh, selling fruit to negotiants, um, and then uh, recently, uh, the husband and wife, Danton Grier, uh, their son Adrian, who's all of 25, 26 years old, uh, took over. And uh, this is a bottling called uh, Dans une première temps, which uh, means kind of like the first step, if you will, or the first take first step. Some. Yeah, take some more, please. It's good. Um, what I, this is actually a champagne we pour by the glass at North End Grill, and I was looking for a, a, a champagne that over-delivered. So it's $22 a glass, $88 a bottle. Um, That's incredible, it's 50, a bottle. Yeah, 50% Chardonnay, 30% Pinot Noir, 20% Old Vine Pinot Meunier, and here's the kicker. Uh, 70% of it from the 2012 vintage, and then 30% is based on a Solera going back to 1986. Which means... Different. Yes. So they just kind of keep pushing it. The Spanish here. idea of Solera and right. fractional blending. Right. And so you have a little bit of every vintage from '86 so until 2000. Complexity and all of that. Yeah. So all right. So let's color. You have a little deeper than a light straw. Sure. It's got a nice yellow. Yeah. Uh, nice size bubbles. Talk to me about the nose. The nose here. You get. I mean, obviously the a little bready to me. Yeah. Yeah. You got a. Uh, then that's that kind of. Uh, you know, Solera kind of coming through and a little bit more aged wines. But you have, uh, I think, a lot of apple notes from the Chardonnay. Yes, I pick uh, up apple. And then just that little. You know, you have, you know, fifty percent red fruit here too. So there's definitely a little red apple. The Pinot Meunier yeah. is the red. Oh, and that's old vine Pinot Meunier right. and thirty percent Pinot Noir. Do you think the old vine gives it a different character than if it was just you know? Oh, for sure. It's yeah. also. It's Old Vine Pinot Meunier from Cui, which is an area in the Côte de Blanc known for Chardonnay. So it's kind of a cool, uh, a cool little thing All right, to have. so do we like these wines? I like the Leonville like Poifere. I think it held up well. Yeah. It wasn't an over-the-top crazy. It's a nice, good good representation sure. of uh, Bordeaux Saint-Julien. The... Champagne, the Doncrier, incredible value, right? Yeah, very much if so. If you had to pull out of your hat... Uh, Retail, forty sure. fifty bucks. Uh, I'd say just north or south of forty. Okay, yeah. so that's a great value yeah. for this quality and all Definitely. of that. Um, quickly, we got to wrap up. I'm getting the high sign. What would we pair the um, Bordeaux with? Steaks, steak, heavy. Uh, a half bottle like this. We could have a burger. Right, perfect with yeah, a burger. Definitely. And the champagne. Classic anything. and out of the box, anything. <laughs> the answer is anything. Fried chicken, Fried pizza, chicken, popcorn, popcorn, pizza, oysters, do the oyster thing. raw bar. All right, that's the uh, that's the bell wrap off. up. They're playing us off. All right, so we're gonna wrap up. If you have a question, wine happening, or event, hit me up at Sam at the Grape Nation. That's Sam at the Grape Nation. Follow us on Facebook at the Grape Nation. We'll post Jeff's wine list answers, and I'll list our two uh, weekly wine sip selections on the site. Follow us on Instagram at sbenruby, Twitter at benruby, and check out our new website. We launched www.thegrapenation.com. You'll see a picture of a very handsome Jeff. You'll see his wine list answers, the wines we drank, and some information. Um, Jeff, where can we follow you and North End Grill on social? Sure. Yeah, uh, on uh, Instagram, it's at Vino Jeff, at North End Grill NYC. Okay. Uh, Twitter is at Vino Jeff Taylor. Okay. And at North End Grill NYC. So Jeff's around a lot of cool wines and people and all that. So he's a fun guy to follow. So follow him. And for great wine experience, great chef, Eric Korsh. Um, grilled foods, uh, very well thought out wine list. Think about the North End Grill. So, Jeff, thank you for coming in. We My pleasure. Come with thank you. you. Thank you to our engineer, David, sitting in today and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. 
I'm going to give you our last pitch for our summer fundraising drive. We're at the end of it. Um, we need more money because we have a matching partner, and we're very close to that. So Jeff, I know, doesn't like this, but go into North End Grill and buy a cheaper bottle of wine and give us the rest of the money and donate it to HeritageRadioNetwork.com <laughs> backslash donate. Um, thank dot you org. again, Jeff. Dot I'm org. S- dot org. Dot org. What did I say? Come. All right. So it's HeritageRadioNetwork.com backslash dot donate. org. Why do I keep saying right, dot org? Go. I'm sorry, David. HeritageRadioNetwork.org backslash donate don't screw this up because of me all right (laughs) all right thank you again i'm sam ben ruby and you've been listening to the grape nation listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.